This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property and there's a little bit, hopefully for everybody, property related today. We've got a bit of a market update from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. We've got local news with what's happening in Palmer's North and Manawatu. We've got budget announcements and how they might impact on you in property plus plenty more. So let's get underway The monthly property report came out just recently from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. This usually compares properties and how they're performing in regions with a year-on-year aspect. And what's been really interesting is that the market itself has thrown up some very strange statistics during the month of April. And that's what the May report relates to as an April month. Why is that? Well, what happened was in COVID-19, the number of sales decreased by such a huge volume that some of the percentages and comparisons are now have to be taken with a little grain of salt. Bindi Norwell, the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand CEO, said the number of properties sold in April across New Zealand decreased by 78.5% when compared to the last same time last year. So that's just what I'm referring to. But we'll have a look at some of these figures anyway because some of them are pretty interesting on a year-by-year basis. So how did Manawatu Wanganui fare? Our number of sales were down 87.2%. So from 384 to 49, that's 335 fewer houses sold when compared to a year before. Not surprising. Technically, it was very hard for properties to actually sell as many of them couldn't settle during lockdowns. That really affects the numbers there. What I'd like to do is just have a look at the median house price year on year nationally. The median house price is up to 680000 and that's a 17% increase on this time last year. Now the national figure gets skewed somewhat by Auckland, so if we take Auckland out of the equation, then the median house price in New Zealand, 520000 and that's up from 488000 that's a 6.6 increase year on year. So property is still proving to be a good investment for your money. Now, with the figures and the way that they've gone, like I say, it's going to be taken with a grain of salt. But let's look at some of those anyway. Manawatu Wanganui region is up 14.3% in the last year to a median house price of 400000 Some areas show massive increases like Hawke's Bay, close to 40%. But before you go popping all your money in the the one basket, just remember that uh, that's based on a small number of sales. But the median Hawke's Bay, 650. Wellington, 730. That's up 18%. And the median house price in Auckland, 925,000. So let's wait maybe till next month, see how things settle out, see how the cards end up landing on the proverbial table, and then we'll make some more interesting uh, 
uh, discoveries, I guess, about what's really going well. But if you want my personal educated opinion, I would say that the regions are performing uh, very well in most cases with regards uh, rises in house prices year on year. So Bindi Norwell in the report says that house prices in the Manawatu Wanganui region and Bindi Norwell of course is the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand CEO. So house prices in the Manawatu Wanganui region increased 14.3% year on year to 400,000. Additionally, Palmas North City and the Rangatike district both achieved new record median prices, 595,000 for Palmas North and 386,000 for Rangatike. Although the new listings reduced, there were more sales completed towards the end of April once the country transitioned into Level 3. So what happened was a lot of settlement on properties happened at that time. She does say that the Manawatu Wanganui region is not solely driven by tourism and has more stable employment with government and defence, distribution centres, agriculture and the education sector. So there is an expectation that the region will not be affected as much as other parts of the country. And that's coming from the top. So rather than just hearing my opinion, which is that we'll be absolutely fine in this region, uh, we're hearing it also through the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand CEO. There are, she notes, some major work and infrastructure projects that have been put on hold. So time will tell how things uh, look going forward. But I'll comment on that shortly in the show as we look at some of the news articles that have come out. So probably just a little bit more on the statistical anomalies. Uh, Wanganui District up 26.7% in the last 12 months. Now, you can't – is is that accurate? Well, actually, yes, it is pretty accurate. It's mainly due to coincidence more than anything else that Wanganui has been getting extremely high high increases year on year. The Palmas North City one, though, will tell you that we have had a – 20% 20% increase in house prices since this time last year. That might be slightly high, but it won't be too far away. For example, it was 19% the month before. So good news for property owners in this region as things continue to perform very well. So here's a little bit of local news. And as we came out of Level 3 into Level 2, the kids of the Manawatu were saying to their parents, Mum, Dad, can we please go to the playgrounds? And so the playgrounds have come very busy. And one thing I noticed in the newspaper and stuff.co.nz, the Manawatu Standard, uh, had an article that Memorial Park Playground is to pop into life. Now, Memorial Park Playground, of course, very popular, but there's an article on stuff that shows the $1.2 million makeover, including Manawatu's first free-to-use splash pad, similar to what they have, I'd imagine, in Kofai Park, in Wanganui and a fully accessible playground that works beginning in May. So the City Council Chief Infrastructure Officer Tom Williams said with a planned completion date before Christmas the development will give people something to look forward to this summer. On stuff it's got pictures of the plans and uh, it's just fantastic. So the park's going to remain open for use during construction but the playground and paddling pool area already fenced off during COVID-19 remains out of bounds. So some really cool uh, looking climbing tubes, slides, ramps, swings, bouncing balls, ropes, climbing walls, full nets. Um, it's going to be really something else and, uh, and in- including the, the uh, water park um, splash pad, they call it. If you're not sure what a splash pad is, uh, that's where water squirts up from from the ground, and there's a bunch of toys that kids can play with uh, in that environment. So that'll be fantastic in the summertime. 
This article from Stuff, moving on. Palmas North plans in place for post-COVID recovery. So local reporting um, is telling us that the Mayor Grant Smith has chartered a course to recovery for the city. The City Council has released a COVID-19 city recovery plan that could be prompt a major overhaul of its planned budget for the 2020-21 year. The Council's debating the draft budget and submissions. Um, in fact, by the time you listen to this, uh, will be tomorrow. Um, on Wednesday, so including recommendations for shifting spending priorities to help the city bounce back from lockdown. Mayor Grant Smith said the council had a responsibility to support the economy and the community emerging from the crisis and to stimulate growth. He also said that the rates rise was unlikely to be as high as the 4.4% proposed in the draft budget, so you don't hear that very often. Um, The city council has taken quite a knock to its uh, budget, uh, to its income I should say, and so that's uh, uh, $68,000 from uh, rent holidays for council tenants, uh, loss of parking meter revenues, 50000 a week. That's a lot of little coins going into meters, or maybe they don't do that anymore, I'm not sure. And um, library fees being waived. So, so there's um, a little bit less income, but in saying that though, uh, things are well and truly in place. And one thing I noticed that there's a Choose Manawatu by local campaign. So I just encourage you all listening here to Community Radio to support your local businesses. And if you're not sure if your money's staying in the Manawatu when you spend it or heading away, this Choose Manawatu website allows you to see uh, the local businesses that are really needing support. And it's a fantastic opportunity for all of us to get our local economy going strong. So I'd encourage you to have a look at the Choose Man or Two website if you were considering a purchase or of a certain type just to see where that can best help rather than the money heading off towards, for example, national franchises or overseas spending through the internet. So talking about the rates and the Mayor's comments it won't be likely that it's a 4.4% increase, this article from Stuff says rates rise of 4.4% slammed as out of touch. So the proposed rate rise is being described as cruel and the City Council is being out of touch with reality and submissions on its annual budget. The rates freeze are at least a significant reduction as the main theme of some of the 49 submissions which uh, have been heard. And so it looks like then that uh, the rate increases won't be as big as they thought but we'll have to watch this space. Again, the budget is something which is open to be looked at, thrashed around and so forth. Um, but at least in the meantime, people who are struggling with rates um, have some respite. So moving on, uh, we're going to look at the uh, more of a national article here, and this was from Infra News. It says, in the coming months, all parts of the country are likely to feel some degree of property pain, says CoreLogic Senior Property Economist Kelvin Davidson. So clearly there is a tough period ahead for the economy with the GDP set to fall sharply amid rising unemployment. So based on a simple ranking across a range of indicators, uh, Queenstown's property market seems to look the shakiest, but in contrast, Whangarei, Hamilton and Invercargill appear to be less risky, and I'd say certainly Manawatu Wanganui would feature in there as well. So factors in favour of these so-called safer areas include less tourism reliance and not as big a surge in investor activity in their property markets of late. 
So unfortunately for Queenstown, it has nearly 20% of its output coming from a combination of food services, and this sector is set to be hit hard by various stages of lockdown and tourism downturn. The Reserve Bank has estimated that accommodation and food services are only operating at 11% of pre-coronavirus norms during Alert Level 4, and that really only rose to 19% during Level 3. So incredibly hard for those businesses. It's uh, fairly, fairly heartbreaking. So they looked at comparing it with the likes of Tauranga and Wellington, for example, where accommodation and food services account for a much smaller share of the economy. So they've got a graph here uh, where they where they show that Queenstown is, is about 17% of the economy is tourism. And if we compare that to Wellington, for example, where it's about 1%. So it's interesting to see which areas have more spend. They also looked at where property investors are purchasing. And um, Palmas North uh, is getting around about 2% of the property investors in the country uh, are um, – or have, or at least a two percent increase, I should say, in property investors from around the country buying here, just has affected um, our economy somewhat. But I think they'll that will get quite a lot larger as things move on. If we look at things like international guest nights, for example, Palmerston North, it's only ten percent um, of the total guest nights are international. So we're well served by a strong conference scene here, and uh, that should mean that our economy around based around the impacts of tourism uh, should be okay for the time being. So we're going to have a little break here. We'll play a little bit of music. Uh, when I was a young fellow, I used to listen to these guys a lot. I loved the guitar, loved the general sound of it. This is ZZ Top with Lagrange. Rumors run round in that Texas town About to check outside the games And you know what I'm talking about Just let me know if you wanna go To that whole mile on the range They got a lot of nice girls
And that was ZZ Top LaGrange here on Property Matters with Greg Watson. We're talking all things property. And we're just going to move on now to some comments by Bindi Norwell, the Chief Executive at the Real Estate Institute, talking about the housing market and what's going to happen. She says that some of the key indicators we'll be watching over the current months as we look for the housing market to recover from COVID-19 includes the unemployment rate and confidence levels. The eight-week extension of the wage subsidy scheme announced in today's budget will be central to these two indicators as it will mean people will be able to continue employing staff and individuals will have a greater ability to continue paying their rent or mortgage over the next two months. She says that additionally, the $3 billion announced to fund infrastructure projects on top of the $12 billion announced prior to COVID-19 will help deliver important infrastructure projects across the country and this will bolster employment opportunities in the regions, further adding to local confidence levels. She also says that we welcome the 6,000 state and 2,000 transitional houses that will be built in partnership with housing providers over the next four to five years. And she says that not only will this add to local employment opportunities, but will also ease some of the housing supply shortage. Moving on, the... Uh, this this article also from stuff.co.nz is talking about the money that's been pledged by government. It's doubling its state housing build efforts with 8,000 new homes that have come out of the 2020 budget. So this $5 billion house building effort is expected to roll out over the next five years and $570 million in rent subsidies used to fund the building or acquisition of state homes has been included in the budget. So housing and infrastructure loomed large in the spending announced by the government last Thursday. On top of the thousands of state homes promised, there was $56 million for insulating 9,000 old homes and a $3 billion boost for infrastructure projects. The government has pitched the budget as a $50 billion response to the coronavirus, the fine print including $16 billion of funding announcements for 2020, $14 billion spent in recent months and another unallocated $20 billion in the back pocket in case it's needed. So from stuff.co.nz business, uh, this article here, it says, Time to channel Great Depression and get building state houses, according to Infometrics. So a huge programme of social housing could help vulnerable New Zealanders into homes and support the construction industry, economics consultancy Infometrics says. The chief forecaster, Gareth Cairn, said the waiting list for state houses had more than quadrupled since mid-2015, but high levels of construction activity had made it difficult for the government to respond with more housing. So now with private development likely to be largely on hold for the rest of this year and next, there was a chance to reverse that, and Cairn expected residential building to drop from 38,000 homes a year to 18,400 by 2022. He says that rents have continually risen faster than income since 2011, leading to large increases in the state house waiting list in areas such as Gisborne, Napier and Rotorua. In his view, the government needs to take quick action to start addressing the crisis now. The number of vulnerable people needing housing assistance is set to jump as unemployment spikes over the next 18 months. So certainly it's been uh, noticeable, the the housing issue, and right up until COVID-19 came along and effectively stole a lot of the headlines, most of the headlines this year were about the housing shortage. And all that's happened uh, since 
or during COVID-19 as things were paused. So the 8,000 new houses that are being built, we would hope will go somewhat towards uh, alleviating some of the issue. So the BNZ, in fact, according to Stuff Business, goes so far as to say as the housing shortage could soon be over. So they've sounded alarm for the residential construction industry at BNZ, saying house prices are likely to fall 12%. The head of research, Stephen Topless, said the bank was very unsure construction would be the economic saviour we were hoping for, given the big obstacles in its way and the biggest being unemployment. We're now witnessing one of the most rapid increases in unemployment ever experienced, he said in a research note. The bank is forecasting 200,000 people to be out of work by the end of the year and it would take until late 2022 before employment returned to pre-coronavirus levels. In their opinion, the rapid rise of joblessness was lethal for the housing market affecting people's ability to borrow. He also said there were three other massive obstacles affecting housing demand, lower population growth, weaker house prices and a freeing up of Airbnb properties. So I'm just going to jump in here from a local Manawatu Wanganui perspective and say that these figures that the banks come out with are largely based on the Auckland market and how that relates to the country. So the bank seems to think that the housing shortage would disappear quickly. It estimates that the country needs about 11,000 new houses a year to meet the population growth compared to the current rate of more than 37,000. So they do feel that the demand is going to drop somewhat. But again, that's the big picture stuff here in the Manawatu Wanganui. With so many projects happening, it's more likely that things will just continue on the up and up. And that leads me to this article which says that building consents flying high to drive recovery in Manawatu. The Palmas North is poised to build its way out of the COVID-19 economic slowdown with record values of projects ready to take off. The City Council recorded an all-time monthly high $95 million worth of building consent applications lodged in March with another $41 million of applications in April bucking the national trend. These values added to $46.7 million worth of consents issued in February, the highest the council had achieved in any earlier month. So Mayor Grant Smith says it provided the confidence as the city to show the city was well positioned for recovery. So really good news there and, and uh, the consents will also boost the efforts for the that the Palmerston North City Council is making with major projects such as the $17.1 million Central Energy Arena uh, Trust Arena makeover, which I can't wait to see that. That's just got the, the uh, as one of these shovel-ready projects we can just get underway with straight away and help the economy. Some of the larger projects that have been consented are a new countdown distribution centre near Palmerston North Airport, the council's own $5.9 million second stage of the Papioia Place social housing complex, and that's looking great down there, and the Wallace Development Departments between Pioneer Highway and Church Street. If you haven't been down there, stop and have a look at the picture of what's going to be there. It's going to look pretty stunning. Also, further villas going in at the Bupa Retirement Village on Napier Road. So the progress with the $41 million of applications lodged in April actually just continued during the lockdown as council staff have been working remotely since the lockdown began to ensure the momentum could be maintained. So it's great to see that there's plenty happening here in the Manawatu with regards uh, the the growth and the continued growth that we are having in this area. And what we've noticed is that the market has 
become or has continued to be very busy post-lockdown. The inquiry levels are still high. Properties are still selling quickly. There's maybe slightly less buyers, but it's still a busy market here in the Manawatu. And when it comes to renting, there's plenty of people looking for rental properties as well. So people over the next, uh, well, up to 10 years, um, there's going to be pretty positive growth in terms of population numbers here in Palmerston North in particular, but that also spreads into Manawatu, which means that demand should continue to be uh, very good indeed. And people who have spoken to me in recent times, I would tend to say I'd be very surprised if the value of real estate in terms of residential real estate here in the Manawatu doesn't increase by at least 10% per year every year for the next three years. So just consider that as well. One last thought, if you're worried about the national reports that are saying the market is going to drop, bear this in mind. In a recent 12-month period, we had 19.7% increase in Palmerston North alone. Wanganui much higher and fielding very good also. So if they say the market's going to come back 10%, just remember uh, that's only 10% when compared to the 20, for example, it went up in the last year. So it's not as major as the headlines would think. So thank you so much. That's the end of the show today. This is Property Matters. Uh, You've been here with Greg Watson. It's been great having your company and we look forward to catching up with you next week either here on Manawatu People's Radio, NPR.nz or alternatively where all good podcasts can be found as this show is released on delay on podcasts. Thanks again. Have a great week and talk to you next week. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.